1: GX on Agriculture with Doug Falconer. Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. Coming up on today's program, the CEO of Agribition says several records were set at this year's annual show in Regina. We'll hear from CEO Sean Kindop. As well, a researcher at the University of Saskatchewan wants to gain a better understanding of the cougar population in our province. Tammy Windsor, who is working on that, will talk about her project and how she hopes to hear from farmers and ranchers in Saskatchewan about previous cougar sightings. The Canola Council of Canada held a webinar Friday to outline the benefits of the 4R Nutrient Stewardship Programme. One of the guest speakers was Dan Haney, a senior agricultural consultant at Random House Consulting in Edmonton. And he looks at the 4-R program from an agronomist's perspective and how an agronomist can get 4-R certified. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX on Agriculture. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. The CEO of Agribition says several records were set at this year's annual show in Regina. The show ended on Saturday, December 3rd. CEO Sean Kindop says there was a high level of attendance, particularly the number of international guests, and there were 63 countries represented in total. Attendance was fantastic. We're back at that 120,000
0: attendees mark, which we're beyond proud of. We welcomed 1,200 international guests from 63 countries. And again, back to that 10,000 school age kids. And we're
1: so proud to be able to be back at that 2019 mark. He says the Indigenous Agriculture Summit was a huge success. Yeah, that was also fantastic as well, with over
0: 276 registered guests for that one. Uh, we had 767 for the Grain Expo, which is up 151 guests, which again, 2022 was such a fantastic news story for us as everything. It
1: just felt so good. as There was many records broken, and uh, we were close to many others. Kindop says the rodeo saw great ticket sales. Yeah, there was three sellout rodeo
0: performances, one sellout party on the dirt. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's great. It just shows that
1: everybody was ready to have us back, and we were excited to, uh, to welcome them back. He notes many segments of Agribition were live-streamed this year. So, uh, yeah, there was a lot of, we had over 10,000 views on a lot of our streams from our live streams in the Brand
0: Center and whatnot. But we also did get some more viewership numbers from our cattle sales and whatnot. Um, We had over 4,000 views from them all across the world. Every province in Canada, 15 states in the U.S., um, as well as Australia, New Zealand, Mexico, Wales, Argentina, Colombia, Angola, Brazil. Norway, Denmark, just to name a few, and there was uh, about 10 more countries as well. Kindop lists some cattle sale highlights. Yeah, they were fantastic. Uh, we had a Speckle Park cow sell into Australia for 48000 and a Limousin heifer sell to a Texas buyer for $40,000, and uh, with our sales uh, topping out at $2.25 with uh, some more still to
1: come, which is, again, we're just so proud. They also did some fundraising for the STARS Air Ambulance Service. Yeah, it was, yeah, I, I hate to keep using the word unbelievable, but uh, it has been. We started off the week at our
0: burning of the brand where we saw Tracy Robinson give a donation from uh, CN for $100,000, which was matched by another donor, anonymous donor, for the 100000 So, with again, with our 50-50s and all of that, we're well over that $250,000 mark, which, again, is... For what they do, it's it's still almost not even big
1: enough, but it's 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 incredible. Kindop says they're already working on next year's show. Yeah, we actually have some big changes. It's nice to not uh, always just
0: be talking about entertainment and whatnot. Um, we will be hosting an animal egg tech forum next year, so we want to continue to be a leader in the... Uh, in the livestock sector, and this is going to allow us to be able to do that as we're going to host the uh, Canadian Animal Egg Tech Award at Agribition and um, be able to give some of those startups and those tech firms um,
1: a bit of a platform. Sean Kindop is the CEO of Regina's Canadian Western Agribition. It's time now for the Beef and Forage Report, and that's a presentation of Lane Realty. Beef and Forage Report. After several months on the run, four cows from a herd of runaway cattle were captured on Saturday night in St. Sever, Quebec. The cows were transported back to their original farm yesterday morning. Specialists examined the cows after their capture and confirmed the animals were in good shape. Weather conditions over the last few days prevented the entire herd from being captured. So another operation will take place soon to catch seven or eight animals that remain at large. Back in July, a herd of about 20 cows jumped out of their field and had been on the lamb ever since. All previous attempts at capturing them failed, including a valiant effort by a group of cowboys from a nearby town. Over the last few days, various feeding points were set up in strategic locations along with fences and other devices that allowed the cows to finally be captured. And that's today's Beef and Forage report. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94, Ag Review. Manitoba's Hydrologic Forecast Centre has released the 2022 Manitoba Basin's Fall Conditions Report, which indicates soil moisture levels at the time of freeze-up are near normal or below normal in most Manitoba basins. Transportation and Infrastructure Minister Doyle Panouk says hydrologic conditions at the time of freeze-up combined with weather this winter and upcoming spring will be the main factors that affect the extent of low or high water events. At this time, conditions in most areas appear somewhat favourable. The long-term spring flood risk will be dependent on future weather conditions, including the amount of precipitation received over winter and into spring, as well as the rate of snowmelt. Most Manitoba basins received record to near-record precipitation this past winter and spring creating significant flooding. Hydrologic conditions improved over summer and fall with normal to below-normal precipitation. Canadian canola ending stocks for 2022-23 were revised higher by Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada in its latest supply-demand estimates released Friday. The larger carryout projection came despite a downward revision to production, as both exports and domestic usage were also down from the November report. The government agency now sees canola carryout of 800,000 metric tons for the current marketing year, which would be up from the November forecast of 500,000 tons, and in line with the 2021-22 ending stocks of 875,000 metric tons. Updated production estimates from Statistics Canada, included in the latest AAFC report, lowered canola production to 18.2 million metric tons from an earlier estimate of 19.1 million tons. Meanwhile, projected canola exports of 8.6 million metric tons would be down by 700,000 tons from the November estimate. Domestic usage was lowered by roughly half a million metric tons from November, at 9.7 million tonnes. Meanwhile, there's a significant difference in the amount of canola grown in Canada during 2022-23 in the estimate from Statistics Canada compared to that from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Earlier in December, STATSCAN's survey-based production of principal field crops report pegged this year's canola harvest at 18.17 million metric tonnes. That's a drop of about 4.8% from the agency's previous call of 19.1 million metric tons issued in September, derived from its modeling and satellite imagery used during the summer. Statscan based its latest production number on nearly 8.6 million hectares being combined, yielding a little more than 2.11 metric tons per acre, or make that per hectare. Meanwhile, in USDA's World Agricultural Production Report, the department placed the bounty of this year's canola off of Canadian fields at 19 million metric tons, a 2.6% reduction from its November projection of 19.5 million tons. The department came to that conclusion also on 8.6 million harvested hectares, but with a higher yield of 2.21 tons per hectare. C.N. and C.P. rail supplied a combined 78% of hopper cars ordered in Grain Week 19, a decline from the previous week's 84%, reflecting a decline in performance for each of C.N. and C.P. In supplying 80% of hopper cars ordered on time in Week 19, C.N.'s order fulfillment performance declined from the prior week and once again fell short of the 90% threshold. CN has fallen short of the 90% performance threshold in six of the last seven weeks and ten times in the last 13 weeks. CP order fulfillment performance declined notably week over week, with the railway supplying just 76% of cars ordered as compared to 84% the prior week. This marks the 14th consecutive week that CP has fallen short of the 90% performance threshold and falling short of the 80% threshold for the third time in the last four weeks. And that's the Ag Review portion of our program. Please stay tuned. GX on Agriculture will be back right after this. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Faulkner. It's cloudy and minus 25 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at 1 o'clock. A researcher at the University of Saskatchewan wants to gain a better understanding of the cougar population in our province. Tammy Windsor says while there has been extensive research in British Columbia and Alberta, not a lot is known about cougars and their travel paths in Saskatchewan. The Prairie Cougar Research Project is sponsored by the USASC Department of Biology's Animal Population Ecology Lab, We spoke to Windsor about the cougar research project.
2: Cougars tend to really not like people, and with cougars, they are a specialist. They like to feed on white-tailed deer for the most part. If you have a very large male cat, then they'll go for a larger prey size, like elk or moose calves, maybe. So the female cougar that has some kittens, the kittens grow to be a couple years old. They're not quite large enough to take down a deer, so then instead they'll go for calves. I think it's relatively rare for cougars to take down cows because they're too large. But that being said, sometimes you hear from the public that like, oh yeah, you know, this cow was taken down by a cougar. The thing is, is that when you're doing necropsies on animals, you really need to have an eye to know what you're looking for. Because some people assume, oh, you know, the throat was wrecked out. There must be a cougar. And you're like, well, coyotes also do the same. So quite often that's why it's good for them to report it to crop insurance, and then they have a biologist that comes and check and try to confirm what species was involved.
1: She says cougars don't hang in packs like coyotes.
2: Cats tend to be solitary because they are territorial. Once a female is in heat, then she'll meet up with a male cougar. But then right after, she wants to get rid of him because he will actually kill the kittens. So the only time you see a group of cats, it's normally a female and her kitten. And then sometimes the kittens get old to be a couple years old, and they might still interact somewhat with their mom.
1: Windsor says cougars only have a family unit when the babies are quite young.
2: I, I guess it's hard to say. Like, I think I think the kittens might interact with their mom for maybe a couple years, and then normally, like, the males would, they, they would find new territories, and they won't see each other anymore. But there has been cases where they'll be like, oh, look, you know, the mom's daughter who's five years old decided to stop by for a visit for a bit there's kind of cases like that so we think there's a little bit of family interaction that goes along by them but for the most part they're pretty solitary
1: she says bc and alberta are better at tracking their cougar populations
2: yeah bc they have multiple cougar projects they are studying cougars in vancouver island in vancouver they have one around williams lake that they started out, I think, one or two years ago. And then they have another study in Kelowna. And then in Alberta, they're wrapping up their cougar study that's in Edmonton, and then I think they have another study in Calgary. I know that one of the parks in Alberta, they want to start a collaring project on cougars. And then in the States, there's also a number of projects.
1: Windsor says cougars don't vary much across the Americas.
2: Cougars throughout North America... Central America, and I think maybe even South, they're all the same species, but that being said, they do have genetic diversity, and those are called designatable units. That's how they're split up. Throughout the states, for example, in California, I think they have like five or six different DUs of cougars, and each of them you kind of protect and manage them separately, So in Saskatchewan, we don't know what the genetic diversity might be for cougars because we might be receiving some cougars from the States and some from Alberta. We might have two different, like the same species, but two different variations of genes, which would be interesting to find out.
1: Tammy Windsor is conducting a survey on the cougar population in Saskatchewan. She wants to get first-hand information from farmers and ranchers about cougars in their area. I'll have more with Tammy Windsor coming up a little later on in the program. But first, it's time for the livestock market conditions, and that's a presentation of the Yorkton Crossing Retirement Village. Livestock market conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for February are trading at 156 even. That's up 22. April live cattle trading at 15980 up 10. January feeder cattle trading at 18237 down 140. March feeder cattle trading at 18412 down 57. February lean hogs trading at 85.95, that's up 17. April lean hogs trading at 9332, up 60. And that's the livestock market conditions. Please stay tuned GX on Agriculture will be back right after this. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. The Canola Council of Canada held a webinar Friday to outline the benefits of the 4R Nutrient Stewardship mm-hmm. Program. One of the guest speakers was Don H- Dan Haney, a senior agricultural consultant at Radham House Consulting in Edmonton. He looks at the 4R program from an agronomist's perspective and how an agronomist can get 4R certified.
3: So most of you have probably heard that 4R is about the right source at the right rate, the right time and the right place, that it's a science-based approach to nutrient management. Uh, And that it looks to balance uh, environment, economic and social outcomes uh, uh, of managing nutrients and cropping systems. So, uh, you know, the thinking behind it is that, you know, unless we balance these three areas uh, and set goals that uh, the farmer, you know, set goals that the farmer can reach, uh in particular that you you know the farmer can't do much on the stewardship side if they're not economically sustainable. So one other thing that you might not know about 4R is that this is a system that has its roots on the Canadian prairies. It was actually initially started its development in Saskatchewan. Uh and since then it's spread out. It's a it's now a, a bit of a global phenomena. Uh it's got uh, traction on you know all the uh, continents where crops are growing, and um, and including it's been recognized by uh, by uh, organizations like the United Nations as part of their for our climate smart agriculture, which is a a program that looks at um, is basically aimed at intensification on existing land uh, crop production on existing land while reducing nitrous oxide emissions. So so within this four-hour framework what's the designation program and uh, so the four-hour approach for better management of nutrients is a way framework uh, that can be used by farmers to improve their nutrient management and then the des- designation program is uh, a pro- industry-led program that's uh, led by fertilizer canada uh, but also has partners like canola council involved and uh, it's, um, it's a way for through a voluntary program for farmers to demonstrate their commitment to sustainable crop production. And as you, you know, farmers out there and agronomists, uh, you know, there's an increasing pressure for us not to just, um, you know, talk the talk, but walk the walk and demonstrate that we are in fact uh, implementing better nutrient management on the farm. Uh, and some of, those, some of that is coming from things like the sustainable supply movement uh, that's asking for evidence of sustainable practices that can be traced back to the farm in the field. And then governments are looking for ways to reduce off-farm impacts on water, air, soil diversity, biodiversity, as well as mitigate climate change. So the other point I wanted to make is that you know the agronomists, whether they're retail agronomists, uh, you know they're directly involved with fertilizer sales, or independent agronomists who provide other services, uh, those frontline agronomists are well positioned and uh, to, uh, to to you know help growers make uh, transition to more effective BMPs. And uh, so, there, uh, you know, part of that then is getting this designated agronomist uh, in place, so we have some, call it, quality control or uh, assurance that the agronomists uh, recommending BMPs have some understanding and background in 4R. So, so then the last point I wanted to make here before we move into talking about how to become a designated agronomist is that. Uh, by working or uh, joining the for our designated designation program as a grower and working with an agronomist and getting your acres counted, uh, it's a pretty straightforward process. And then Fertilizer Canada uh, would will use that data over as it develops over time to demonstrate that the industry is moving in that direction towards uh, improved nitrogen u- or nutrient use efficiency and uh, uh, you know better environmental, uh, social and economic goals on the farm. There's a lot of information available on the Fertilizer Canada website. So then you can, that document's available on the Fertilizer Canada website. Canola for our advantage, and that's why most of you are listening in today, and so one of the things about the 4R Advantage program is in order to be eligible as a farmer, you have to work with a 4R designated agronomist. Uh, and uh, in terms of developing a 4R plan, getting your acres counted and, and making sure that the BMPs that you have uh, implemented are actually eligible under the OFFCAP program. And there's gonna be a little more on that later there's basically three parts to becoming a 4R-designated agronomist. One is there's an eligibility requirement. Are you, are you eligible to be a 4R-designated agronomist? There's a 4R-training requirement, and then there's a registration requirement. So it's sort of three parts, uh, and I'm going to uh, get into each of them in a little more detail. So, you know, let's start with the eligibility criteria. and so. You have to have a professional credential. and so that can be uh, a CCA or a uh, a professional agrologist or PAG, or a technical agrologist or tech AG depending on what province you are you're in. So you have to have one of these professional credentials to to qualify as a for our designated agronomist. It's not just having the credential; it's also having the background knowledge and, on uh, in agronomy and nutrient management. Uh, so, when if you're a CCA, uh, you know that's pretty much a given that you've, you've you're a certified crop advisor that you've got a background in agronomy and have passed the exam that proves that uh, proves, proves your knowledge. If you're an AIA, if you're in one of the uh, in, uh, uh, agrologist institutes, you're a PA or a TAg then your area of practice has to be crop production agronomy so you know where you're dealing knowledgeable in dealing with nutrient management and cropping systems and then the other requirement is you need to have local regional experience in in making nutrient management recommendations so so sort of three parts there to eligibility And then if we move on then to the training component, you need to be trained in 4Rs. So there's a couple of ways to get the training. The sort of the first way and probably the fast track, if you're not, is to take the uh, 4R nutrient stewardship training on the Fertilizer Canada e-learning system. And so this is a three part course. It's about five and a half hours all together. There's a quiz following each part. And so if you work through that, you can obtain a certificate of completion. And it's important then to get this certificate of completion for when we go to the next and final stage of uh, registration, registration as of for our designated agronomist. So the other uh, thing that you want to do is, there, is uh, you know, basically so a little bit of self-learning on the on the designation program. I say there's lots of information available on the fertilizer website, fertilizer Canada website about the designation program. Uh, look through that information, and we're just finishing up a, uh, a half-hour overview video on, on the program that we should have up on the website uh, at the beginning of the new year. Uh, which will also um, be useful in, in just giving you some background and uh, an overview of the, of the of the designation program. Just uh, you know, just a plug. There's lots of other good e-learning uh, or courses on the e-learning site. If you take the 4 r nutrient stewardship training, part one, two, and three. Uh, You also get five and a half CEUs if you're a CCA and if you're a PAG or a TA, you can use it as part of your uh, continuing competence or professional development program uh, with your institute. So just a bit of a reiteration, make sure you get the the, uh, right, uh, you know, you focus on the right course. It's for our Nutrient Stewardship Training, part one, two and three, take the exams download the completion certificate when you're done. I should add though, there's a there's a, a way around, uh, a, an alternate route to uh, the training and that's if you're a 4R nutrient management stewardship certification under your CCA. So if you have written the uh, 4R nutrient management stewardship uh, exam and you've passed and you now have that uh, extra credential on your CCA, you don't have to take the course. You can just go to the reg- straight to the registration. So two ways, you know, have a 4R NMS, write the 4R NMS exam, or take the Part One, Two, Three training. So, as I say, Part One, Two, and Three is a bit more of a fast track if you don't have the 4R NMS at present. Okay, so the final step then is the registration step. And that's uh, you know complete the complete this for our ag- agronomist attestation and send it into Fertilizer Canada and just a little bit about what you're attesting to or what this is doing. I mean, when you sign off on this form, you're you're basically attesting to that you are a cr- credential professional, your CCA or and or PAg and or TAg. Uh, that you've taken the four-hour training and are knowledgeable about uh, four-hour, which means you've either taken the course uh, or you're already a four-hour NMS. The other thing is that you're attesting is that when you sign off on a four-hour plan, that you've checked it through and it's four-hour consistent. And in the designation program, that means the acres can be counted. In the uh, canola four-hour advantage program, that means it meets the requirements of the program uh, in terms of the BMPs selected. So when you send this in, then uh, you, you want to attach a copy of your course completion certificate and uh, something from your professional credentials, whether it's a practice license uh, if you're a PAG, for example, or a uh, you know your your certificate from CCA uh, showing that you're a CCA in good standing. So. you you know, attach a copy of those when you send it in. And you can just send those in to 4R designation at fertilizercanada.ca, and they'll send you back a uh, uh, certificate that says you are now a 4R designated agronomist. So quick wrap up, uh, becoming a 4R designation agronomist, it's a three-step process, determine if you're eligible, Uh, take the training, or if you're a 4R NMS, CCA 4R NMS, You can go right to step three, which is register with with Fertilizer Canada by completing the attestation.
1: That's Dan Haney. He is a senior agricultural consultant at Random House Consulting in Edmonton. He was a guest speaker on a webinar put on on Friday by the Canola Council of Canada to outline the benefits of the 4R Nutrient Stewardship Program. It's time now for the commodities update. And that's a presentation of Hackman Feeds. Commodities update: Canola futures are trading down across the board this hour. January canola trading at 848.10, down $15.20. March canola trading at 843.10, down $13.90. March Minneapolis wheat. Trading at 9.05 and a half, down four cents. March Kansas City wheat trading at 8.39 and three quarters, down four and a quarter cents. March Chicago wheat trading at 7.49 and a half, down four cents. March corn trading at 6.46 and a half, down six and a half cents. January soybeans trading at fourteen sixty one per bushel. That's down 19 cents. March oats trading at 3 and a half, down 3 cents. And that's the commodities update. Please stay tuned. Your Farm Bulletin Board is coming up next. Farm Bulletin Board. The Saskatchewan Chamber of Commerce has announced... It will be hosting the first-ever Food, Fuel, and Fertilizer Business Summit. This unique event takes place February 14th through the 15th at Perryland Park in Saskatoon. The summit is being put on in partnership with the Manitoba, Alberta, and British Columbia Chambers of Commerce. This Food, Fuel, and Fertilizer Business Summit is about positioning Western Canada as a major powerhouse in the global economy, especially as it relates to food, fuel and fertilizer. Businesses across Saskatchewan will benefit through increased jobs and the need for goods and services. Over the two days, the advantage Western Canada has will be showcased as its capacity to engage in the global economy. The business summit will also identify opportunities for investment attraction, trade and attracting global brands. The event will also be used to create a Western Canadian Network to develop a plan for global positioning. Some of the speakers for this event on day one will be Ken Seitz, the President and CEO of Nutrien. Also Robin Sylvester, the President and CEO of the Vancouver Port Authority. Susanna Pierce, the President and Country Chair of Shell Canada. And there will also be a panel discussion on why ESG matters, That's Economic, Social and Governance Strategies to Achieve Sustainable Growth on Infrastructure. Day two, we'll have Murad El-Khatib as a guest speaker. He's the CEO of AGT Foods, as well as the Honourable Perrin Beattie, President and CEO of the Canadian Chamber of Commerce. He'll also be speaking. All of those people will be attending that Food, Fuel and Fertilizer Business Summit in Saskatoon, February 14th through the 15th. And that's the Farm Bulletin Board. It's now 1 o'clock. That means it's time to check the GX94 precision weather forecast. For the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today, a 40% chance of scattered flurries, winds northeast at 10 to 15, a high of minus 21, a wind chill at times of minus 30. For tonight, cloudy with a 50% chance of flurries. Winds north-northwest at 10 to 20. A low of minus 29, a wind chill at times of minus 40. For tomorrow, partly sunny. Winds west-northwest at 15 to 25. A high of minus 24, a wind chill of minus 36. For Wednesday, partly sunny. Winds north-northwest at 15 to 25 a high of minus 25, with a wind chill of minus 36. For Thursday, sunny, a high of minus 24, and Friday, sunny, a high of minus 26. In the Paw, Dauphin, and Show Lake-Russell, it's minus 23 degrees. Swan River and Roblin are at minus 24. Brandon, minus 22. Regina, Hudson Bay and Broadview Mooseman -23, Saskatoon -25, Indian Head, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington -24. The Yorkton Melville region has a cloudy sky, a north northeast wind at 8 kilometers an hour, 73% is the relative humidity. The temperature is -25 degrees with the wind chill it feels more like minus 32 degrees. That's your agriculture weather and that'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12:15 for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines.